Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go, Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online, supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Hey, Dad will be with us today, then he'll take the next couple of days off. Brian Scott Rippey will return. Borky and I just slaving away in the coal mines every day, all day. Right, right, Borky? It's uh, really difficult work. I wouldn't suggest uh, those of you listening try to get into it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I probably should not uh, refer to this as a hard work anytime in the uh, foreseeable future. Thanks for being with us. Glad to have you along. The Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. That is the best and easiest way for you to connect with us during the show. You can also hit us up on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. It's at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Um, so a lot going on right now, right? I mean, we got midweek baseball for Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Southern Miss. Southern Miss... Headed over to Montgomery to play Troy. You've got Mississippi State on the Gulf Coast down in Biloxi playing a couple of games against Texas Tech tonight and tomorrow. And Ole Miss is in Monroe to take on ULM tonight and tomorrow afternoon. The SEC basketball tournament begins tomorrow. You've got conference basketball tournaments happening all over the country. And yet all anybody is talking about right now is coronavirus. So with that, hey, Dad, what's up? Happy Tuesday. I don't think I have the coronavirus. I feel pretty good. That so, is good to know. Good to know. You're taking the routine precautions like washing your hands. and I don't even I don't consider those else. to be precautions. I, I just do that. You know, I go to the restroom, yes. I wash my hands. I, I touch chicken, I, I, I wash my hands, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What... In your mind, and I don't want to belittle what anybody thinks about the coronavirus, COVID-19 if you prefer, because it's kind of a personal thing, right? I mean, however you feel about it, you're welcome to feel about it, and you protect yourself and you protect your family as you see fit. But I have never been freak-out panic guy. We get sick, we do everything we can to try and get our kids well. Usually it's kids that are sick because, you know, schools are petri dishes. And, you know, you try to keep them away from other kids as best you can. You spray things down with Lysol. You just, you know, do what you can to keep everything clean and get everybody well. And that's just part of life. I know this is a little bit different. Maybe it's even a lot bit different. But is the level of freakout concerning to you is the level of freak out more concerning to you than the actual coronavirus yes the the the, the level of freak out is more concerning to me you know i, th- I think what, what whatever this disease is is somewhere in between it's just the flu and we're all gonna die it's somewhere in between there but 
you really do have a lot of people acting like it's the the Black Death, like the plague is rolling across the country and we're piling up dead bodies in the middle of the street. I mean, I get that it's important. I'm not one of these people who's just going to be like, oh, it's just just the flu. I I know that it's not just the flu. But I I do feel like we're overreacting a bit. But people these days, would you know, you want to err on the side of caution. Nobody wants to get sued for promoting an unsafe environment, so I get it. But that, by that same token, you know, what do I always say about the NCAA? They're all about the money first. Notice that Mark Emmert, who is the chancellor of the University of Washington, or the president or whatever they call it, that Formerly. they've shut down classes at Washington, online only. But as president of the NCAA, oh, the tournament's still going on. Yeah. So it's not good for 30 people to sit in this class together, but 15,000 can sit in an arena together. You know, Borky, Jane and I were talking about it last night. And it really is remarkable how interconnected the world has become. I mean, if you want to rewind 50 years, there's, I'm not saying that you couldn't have some sort of global epidemic or pandemic. I don't know which it is. I'm not sure that I know the difference between pandemic and epidemic. But the point is, a global outbreak would have been really difficult just 50 years ago because the world was far less interconnected. We're talking about a remote province in China, the Wuhan province in China, where the first case of this, you know, became a thing, what, about four months ago? Uh, I guess it was. And now it has spread literally all over the world. And it's, it's a pretty amazing phenomenon. And I, I, I'm not making light of it. And I'm not using amazing in necessarily a good way. But it's pretty remarkable that this virus has spread from, not that Wuhan is a small province, but in terms of, you know, Beijing and some of the other cities in China or areas in China, it's a relatively remote area, and it has now spread all over the globe. Yeah, uh, before this, a lot of people, myself included, had never heard of Wuhan, and there's 11 million people there. Um, but yeah, watching those those maps where it shows—I don't know if "explosions" the right word—but like how quickly this spread over such a short period of time. Because, as you mentioned, the interconnectivity of everyone anymore, the the accessibility of every location on Earth is is remarkable. And so, watching how quickly and where it spread in in, in one of those time-stamped maps is is wild. Uh, to watch and now i mean there, here's another report that just came across my timeline two more cases in louisiana so what started in wuhan china place that i've never heard of is now in our, our backyard and to Haydad's point the, the number here in this country is still very very small and yet you're seeing such mass hysteria and it's causing kind of a panic i mean the local big box store Near my house, I mean, there's a line outside of it. You can't go buy toilet paper right now. And we don't even have a case in the state just yet. So it's it's crazy how fast this thing is spread, and it's obviously something that needs to be taken very seriously. But at the same time, it kind of feels like some of the measures that were taken. I remember yesterday, I mean, on winners and losers, one of my losers was the AAC because they're not letting players shake hands before or after games, but they're also letting them play basketball against each other. So some of the measures in the provisions don't make any sense, so it makes you think that 
it's being overblown. But at the same time, when you look at one of those maps or, or you read about how quickly it can spread and if you have any kind of upper respiratory issue, it's, it's very serious. I mean, it's a serious deal. So the, those two things don't add up. It's, it's mixed feelings. It's, on one hand, it seems ridiculous and absurd, the measures that are being taken, but also it's a, it's a serious deal. It's hard to balance the emotions, if you will. Our friends at Ceasefire have a message for you. You can text the show on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. You can avoid the waiting room with Ceasefire Health. Download the telehealth app today and get treated by UMMC clinicians from your phone. And now it is only $29 per visit for everyone. So on just a practical um, economic scale, this is less than the normal cost, and there was a promotion at the end of the year and going into the year where C Spire customers were able to use this service for just $29 a visit. C Spire, though, in kind of the name of the greater good in Mississippi, has made this uh, limited-time offer of $29 per visit avail- available for everyone. With C Spire Health, anyone in Mississippi can get treatment for non-emergency conditions like fever, coughing, and more. You can even have prescriptions sent to your local pharmacy. Again, just download the C Spire Health app and try it for just $29 per visit. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. So if you are not entirely excited about the idea of going to the doctor's office or having to go and sit in a waiting room with other people who are sick this time of year, and not necessarily related to coronavirus. you got the flu and stomach bug and strep throat and everything else going around. It's just kind of that time of year. You can avoid the waiting room. You can avoid the lines by using the C Spire Health app, and generally you will pay less than you would in a copay with just a $29 online visit to speak to a, uh, a registered clinician from UMMC via your phone. And if you need a prescription, they can send it directly to your pharmacy. So be sure to take advantage of that. Some messages on the C Spire text line. George in West Point says the flu affects the upper respiratory system. This virus affects the lungs and can cause lung damage. One thing people need to know about this and the flu. The flu has a death rate of one-tenth of a percent. The coronavirus has a death rate of about one percent. That's ten times deadlier than the flu. So, yeah, I mean, use use caution. If you feel like you're sick and you feel like you have something lung-related or upper respiratory-related, then you need to seek medical help. And as is the case with the flu and with the stomach virus and with pneumonia and other things, if you are not someone that is good health, in good health, then you are at a greater risk. If you are significantly older, then you are at a greater risk simply because of your body's ability to fight off infection. So just use some common sense on this. If you got a cough, don't just cough into the air in a crowded room. Cough into your elbow. Wash your hands frequently. Try not to grab the doorknob or the door handle in a public restroom. All the things that are smart to do regardless, maybe... Uh, even a little bit better at uh, at this point. Uh, glad to have you along. We'll take a quick timeout. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. I promise you we're not going to... Um, 
We're not going to spend the entire afternoon talking about the coronavirus, but it is something that has turned into a really big sports conversation. It certainly is a public health conversation, but we are rolling into conference basketball tournaments, into the NCAA tournament, baseball season, spring football, etc., not to mention the stretch run of the NBA season and the start of Major League Baseball. There's a lot going on in the sports calendar that kind of makes this relevant, and coronavirus has provided a bit of a black cloud uh, hanging over every upcoming sporting event for the foreseeable future. From Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine has recommended that there be no spectators allowed for indoor sports activities, including high school, college, and professional teams. But he said outdoor is still okay. And see, that just doesn't make sense to me. I'm obviously not a scientist, but isn't the problem with holding sporting events with massive amounts of people in the same place not the fact that they're under a roof, but that they'll encounter each other? Like, what... What's the difference, I guess, is my question, between an indoor event and an outdoor event if the numbers are equal? I'm not a smart enough person or I have a strong enough science brain to like, technically answer that question. And I guess the human interaction happens whether you're indoors or outdoors. But just generally speaking, doesn't it always feel healthier to be outside than inside? Yeah. And I mean, think about what Ohio's got coming up. I mean, they've got the four games in Dayton. They've got, the, I think it's the MAC tournament this weekend. And also, uh, there are first round games in Cleveland. So that is the governor of the hmm. state with NCAA tournament games and a conference championship tournament all in his state. Didn't demand it, but strongly recommending that they don't allow patrons at these games. The Ivy League has canceled their conference basketball tournament. Therefore, Yale, who won the regular season, gets the automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. The Ivy League has also canceled all spring football practices and games. I honestly did not know that Ivy League had spring football. Uh, yes, I mean, they all do, right? But see, and I thought that you don't even know who's in the Ivy League, Richard. I mean, for God's sake. <laughs> but Come that's on. one of those measures that doesn't make sense to me. I completely understand. Like, the NBA sent a memo out to all their teams to say, prepare to have your games without fans in them. And that makes sense to me. You still have to play the games because... That only makes sense to you because you want the Pelicans to play in non-hostile <laughs> environments for the rest of the week. Yeah, they've got three very difficult road games, and I would prefer that they don't have crowds. But that that makes sense to me. Like, you've still got to play the games because... And I saw a political pundit... Uh, kind of talk down to sports people that think these measures are crazy because uh, your sports aren't that important. Like, you only care because you're just a fan. There's like an economy around professional and even college sports. Like, yeah, there he is. I mean, it, for one NBA home game, there are people, not just fans that go to the game that like to watch sports, but you've got ticket takers and security guards and concession workers and police officers, and local bars and restaurants that rely on these games and the fans that go to these games to put a roof over their head. For example, you've got college baseball this weekend. I mean, the city of Oxford and the city of Starkville and local businesses don't necessarily like have to have these people, but it's significantly better for them to have 10,000 people in town on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday during baseball games. It has a direct... I, I beg to differ. You think it's vital? And, and I'm coming to this from a very personal standpoint. My wife is a business owner. She owns a women's clothing store on the square in Oxford. 
And I can guarantee you 10,000 people in town for an entire weekend. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's more people than that. But, you know, if you're just using that for attendance numbers, I guarantee you that makes a difference. And like, like I can, if, if you really want, I can pull the numbers and show you and prove to you the difference that it makes on an event weekend versus a non-event weekend. It's not even close. Right. It's how businesses are able to pay the ridiculous, uh, not knocking it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, what the economy or what supply and demand yields, but in comparison to owning a business or, you know, renting a place to run a business on the square in Oxford, what that costs just in rent and insurance and all of those things in comparison to a smaller town in Mississippi or the surrounding states, it's insane. Yeah. It matters a lot. Like I said, it's its own economy. And so this idea that, well, sports fans are are upset just because they want to see the games, the games are going to get played regardless. I promise you. Like the, I, I would be shocked if the NBA, for example, cancels games because all of that surrounding it. I mean, there are so many more things at play than just this team plays that team because sports just need to happen because that's our culture. No, a decision to cancel a conference tournament or, or NCAA tournament games has a financial impact that is devastating to some people. And so that's the balance that has to be drawn, I guess, is when do you make that decision? Because although this is a, a serious situation that you have to take seriously, if you are taking it too far, you're directly impacting some people's livelihoods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a very, very partial list. I mean, we mentioned the Ivy League stuff. Division three basketball tournaments have been played in empty arenas. Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, the NBA, and the NHL have all limited locker room access and have basically banned media from the locker rooms. Both South by Southwest and Coachella, uh, two major music and cultural uh, culture festivals, have been either canceled or moved. Pearl Jam has canceled at least part of their tour in the spring. Santa Clara County, California, has banned any public gatherings of more than 1,000 people. The NBA has told teams to prepare to play games in empty arenas if they call for it. Um, Vanderbilt in the SEC uh, issued a notice yesterday that they had gotten new information and they were sending all students home through the end of the month of March, at which point they would reevaluate. They will go to online-based learning at least through the end of this month and potentially through the remainder of the semester. You had a bunch of schools that have uh, have already shut it down for the remainder of the semester. I mean, this is this is real stuff. And, I mean, you want to talk about at, at a micro level, I mean, never mind the impact to local economies. Think about being a college student that has a lease on an apartment or a house or is living in a condo or even is in a dorm has already been charged for a full semester's worth of class load. They've already paid for a meal plan. They've already bought their books for the entire semester. They have traveled perhaps somewhere for spring break and then come back to school, and now they're being told to go home again. That stuff's expensive. And I guess it's one thing if you have 
incredibly wealthy parents or you have a trust fund or you are on a complete full scholarship. But what about those students who don't come from families that have the ability to pay for their college, who are operating semester to semester based on student loans or even paying their own way through school? I mean, how about the the very micro individual economic impact that goes along with shutting school down for the remainder of the semester or having to travel back and forth a couple of more times than you anticipated. For some, you just can't do that. Doesn't that It's make, a really big deal. Doesn't that make you wonder if th- these quick triggers, so to speak, are, are actually responsible? And again, I'm not some kind of disease expert or anything, but uh, to, to the example you mentioned, I mean, there are people that will be financially hurt from this that may not have been in any kind of danger to begin with. I, I mean, it's a fascinating situation that we're in. It's directly affecting the sports world as well, which I guess is why we're talking about it so long. But yeah. I, I feel like some of these decisions, at least based on the information that I've been able to consume over the last few hours, seem to be um, at, the, at this time reactionary instead of measured and appropriate. Hey, Dad, here's what the SEC is doing to try and um, take care of fans and teams and tournament officials this week. They have added additional hand sanitizers at arena entrances and throughout the concourses and meeting rooms in Bridgestone Arena. They are using hospital-grade disinfectant to sanitize locker rooms before teams arrive and immediately upon their departure, sanitizing game balls with hospital-grade disinfectant after each practice and game, sanitizing the team benches, the cheerleader areas, the seating areas in the arena uh, following each game, uh, hand sanitizers, disinfectant wipes, and Lysol spray in all team locker rooms, at scorer's tables, in the officials' locker rooms, in the operations offices, and they're putting signage up throughout the the arena uh, that provides CDC's preventative action recommendations. Is this enough? You you good with this? They also just uh, now have uh, announced that there will there'll be no locker room access for the media as well. So, okay, I mean they're doing the best they can. You know, so I guess better safe than sorry. I guess. Yeah, and that's kind of where I fall on this stuff. I mean, do all that you can, and then allow people to make their own decisions. I mean, nobody is forcing you to go to the SEC basketball tournament or the ACC tournament or NCAA first round game. If you don't feel up to it. If you don't feel like it's in your best interest, then don't go. And if you do go, be smart about it. Let's get into some of the baseball and uh, basketball stuff that's going on when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Busy Tuesday for baseball teams in the SEC. Western Kentucky and Kentucky are underway. They're in the second inning with no score. Everything else is a night game. East Tennessee State at Tennessee, Georgia at Georgia Southern. They're playing that in North Augusta, South Carolina, just across the border. Florida State in Florida tonight, 5.30 Central Time first pitch. The Citadel and South Carolina, Texas Tech and Mississippi State. So a top 20 matchup tonight in Biloxi at MGM Park. We'll get into that in just a moment. Ole Miss is at Monroe, ULM, as they prefer to be called. Six o'clock first pitch for that game. Georgia Tech and Auburn. That's on the SEC network tonight. If you want to watch it, you got Sharman and the Auburn Tigers at six o'clock. Sharman? Like Sharman Soft Georgia Tech? That's the one. Ah. 
Alabama UAB. Do you see who was Say wearing what? Georgia Tech gear and taking in spring practice today? No, who was that? Mark Richt. Do what? Mark Richt was... Hey, he also tweeted a picture of himself in it, but he was photographed on the Georgia Tech sideline at spring practice yesterday wearing mm. Georgia Tech gear. Mm. Sure, a honeycomb looked great on him. They have some pretty good gear, Georgia Tech does. Nice color scheme with the blue. Better now, right? Much better now. Vela is at UAB. Grand Canyon is at Arkansas. Northern Illinois at Missouri. Texas A&M and Rice will face each other at uh, 7 tonight. So those are the uh, the baseball games that are happening across the SEC. And hey, what do you think about these two games in the, uh, the middle of the week in Biloxi for Mississippi State? Very big. In my opinion, uh, th- this whole week obviously is, is huge for Mississippi State. I, th- I feel like they're going to come out of this weekend and either feeling really good about themselves or worried that uh, that the season's going to get away from them a little bit. And it sort of starts this weekend. This is a really good Texas Tech team. Um, they they hit the ball really well. They're hitting over three thirty as a team, but they're also a, a good pitching mm. staff. ERA is just above two. I think teams are hitting uh, just above two hundred against them. They're really solid, you know, back to front, and that and that's not to be that's not surprising. You know, Texas Tech has been one of the elite programs uh, in the country. Mississippi, they were in Omaha a season ago, along with Mississippi State. Tim Tadlock, great coach, um, and for you know, play teams like this in the midweek. You know, if this was a weekend series and you knew you were throwing McLeod and and Bednar and Sarantola, you'd feel okay. Well, you know, our our best three can match up with anybody in the midweek. You know, you have those questions, especially with a guy like Houston Harding going tonight. This is only his second start. He's only thrown, I think, a few, I mean, three or four innings total uh, in his Mississippi State career. He's just a freshman, and you're going to put him out there against, you know, a consensus top five team. You know, I, I get where they're coming from. Uh, they might be a little bit nervous about that, but State's bullpen is going to have to be big these next couple of days. I would imagine Carlisle Kessler will get the start tomorrow, uh, and he's been pretty solid this year. But they're going to need those guys to step up. But at the same time. You have to manage that correctly because you don't want to give away your conference games this weekend when you when you're starting off SEC play without with uh, with Arkansas. There is only one undefeated team still in the SEC that is Florida. They are sixteen and zero. How about a bounce back here for Kevin O'Sullivan's Florida Gators? Just barely snuck their way into the SEC or the NCAA tournament last year, but they got in. And then they got some dudes in. They didn't get hit as hard by the draft this year. And, uh, yeah, hey, Dad, I, I'd say you were right. Yeah, I mean, they were so young last season. I mean, it, the guys they were playing were the, the players who, who didn't get drafted, but they were still quality, you know, good players. And they got a ton of experience and a ton of, they, they took their knocks and now they're back and they're, they're ready to roll. And yeah, Florida's going to be right there all year, I think, with, with Vanderbilt and Georgia. I mean, the, you know, we always talk about the SEC West, but the East this year, the top three teams are as good as anybody in the country. Who, your top two or top three? Florida, Vandy, Georgia. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, I, just by, in terms of record, I was looking at Tennessee there at 14 and two. Oh, um, no, no, no. I mean, Tennessee's okay. good, but they had, a, they had a rough weekend. But for me, that those, those three teams are, are separate from everybody else. I, yeah. I think Tennessee will be good, but they're not an elite team like that, I don't think. And how about Georgia at Florida this weekend to open SEC play? Somebody's going to get some separation right off the bat. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it's hard to imagine either of those teams sweep this weekend. Right. But I wouldn't think. That is, 
that's that's pretty salty right out of the gate. So the Gators are the only undefeated team in the East. Georgia and Tennessee are both fourteen and two. South Carolina is eleven and four. Vanderbilt's twelve and five. Well, they've played a pretty difficult schedule so far. Missouri nine and five, not eligible for the postseason. Kentucky ten and six and playing right now. Two one-loss teams in the West. Alabama fifteen and one, really not tested much yet. They dropped one game to Lipscomb this weekend. Ole Miss has won 14 in a row since losing the season opener to Louisville. They're 14 and one. A and M 14 and three. Auburn 13 and three. Mississippi State nine and four. Hadn't played as many games. LSU 11 and five, and then Arkansas at nine and five. And Arkansas and Mississippi State will hook up this weekend in Starkville. Ole Miss and LSU will hook up this weekend in Oxford. Wow. It's a pretty good slate this weekend. Yeah, if you're just a fan of college baseball, this is the place to be. You know, North Mississippi, you're going to see some good baseball this weekend, I would think. Is there such thing as a bad weekend in SEC baseball? Yeah, I was thinking no, about but, that. But gosh. There's always at least one. Like, at least one great series. And a lot of weekends, you've got three or four great series. You, you know, I mean, you get the. Does anybody really care about Missouri at Alabama this weekend? No, no disrespect. Sweet Kentucky. Yeah, I was I was doing that earlier today. Let's do this real quick. Tell me what you think the results are of each series this weekend. One team wins the series. One team sweeps. Georgia at Florida. Where where is that? Florida. I think yeah. Florida takes the series. Florida takes I, two. That I I agree. I agree. I think it's really going to be hard to sweep. Missouri at Alabama. Oh, who cares? Um, Mizzou will take two. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think so. See, I'd go the other way. I'd say probably Alabama gets two. I don't think they sweep, though. Yeah. Are they getting better? They're getting better. Absolutely they are. Do you think they'll Absolutely. ever get to the point where they're in the competitive realm of A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Florida? I mean, you say if you say no, just remember that we, we probably would have said the same thing about Auburn. They were in the College yeah. World Series last year, so good. Point. I'm going to say yes, and and pretty simple as to why. Head coach, you remember when Kentucky was really really good a few years ago? Yeah. Brad Bohannon was their recruiting coordinator, and didn't he work for John Cohen on the back end of John Cohen's time at at Kentucky? I believe so. Yeah, I think that's right. And then he goes to Auburn. That team that went to the College World Series last year for Auburn, the the pitching staff they've had, Brad Bohanna recruited most of those guys. Yeah, He's a great recruiter. He's going to bring talent in. To me, the thing as to whether or not you, you get over the top is whether or not fans buy in. And and they've, you know, new stadium, so it's a good spot. And they've tried to kind of create that atmosphere beyond the right field wall, you know, kind of the, the party atmosphere thing as well. So... Yeah, I think they'll continue to trend in that direction. I'm really intrigued by the Texas A&M at Auburn series. Mm. Bunch of good arms. Asa Lacey has been basically untouchable so far this year. Lacey versus Burns Friday night, is that, that going to be correct? Uh, I think. We've not gotten Oof. that fun pitching page that has all the matchups. Those are, That'll come out Thursday. Yeah. Think A&M gets two? I'm going to take Auburn to get two. 
I don't think I think they'll lose. I think Auburn loses on Friday to Lacey, but they don't win the next two. A and M has hit really well against bad teams, and against good pitching staffs, they've done nothing. Auburn is a good pitching staff. So Tennessee at South Carolina. Tennessee takes two. Yeah, South Carolina's in a bad way. Got a, had a what three guys that have either Tommy John or out for the season arm injuries on their pitching staff already. Only three? Suck it up. <laughs> Jeez. Arkansas at Mississippi State. <sighs> what an interesting series. I two don't know what to have, think. Yeah, the two teams that have underachieved at this point. I, can I can I answer on uh, on Thursday? I guess I won't be here Thursday, but I'll answer on Friday when uh, when I see what happens this, these next two games with Texas Tech. Yeah. Is the question, might, did Arkansas wake up when he back ending that series against South Alabama, was that like the the flip switching for Arkansas? Are they still in a bad way? Oh no. Well, Connor Nolan didn't pitch last weekend. Wicklander is not a Friday night starter in the SEC, and they're not swinging the bats. I mean, I think they can kind of heat up in terms of swinging the bat. I just think we've overvalued Arkansas a little bit, and in a year when pitching, especially at the front end of the rotation, is so incredibly dominant, I haven't seen enough of that from Arkansas. Yeah. And don't forget, they're, they're very respectful and don't want to celebrate after wins, so they just choose not to win. Mm. Makes sense. My gut, based on what we've seen so far, is Arkansas gets two, but I mean, like I might change my mind on that three times between now and then. I think Vandy sweeps Kentucky. I think we're all in agreement yeah. on that. And uh, yes. my thought is Ole Miss probably gets two against LSU this weekend. The way Ole Miss is playing, I would not bet against them right now. But, you know, this is the start of conference play, so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Ole Miss taking that series seems probable. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Ole Miss's lineup tonight at ULM. By the way, Mike is uh, already in Monroe. Mike in Oxford, who listens to the show on a regular basis. He texted us, just pulled into Warhawk Field. And then he texted us, Ole Miss bus just arrived. Mike keeping us in the know. Servideo leading off, playing short. Chatagnier is batting second and playing second. Keenan at third. Uh, Cale Baker at first. Van Cleve is the DH. Justin Bench in center field. Tim Elko playing right. Knox LaPosser gets the start at catcher tonight. And uh, Jerrion Ely will be in left. Gilbert is the uh, starting pitcher tonight for Ole Miss. So that's the, uh, the nine-plus pitcher that Ole Miss will um, run out against ULM two games middle of the week. How important are these, Borky? Um, not very. I, I mean, they've done a pretty good job in the midweek already, so you'd you'd prefer not to lose these two. Here's breaking news. You'd prefer not to lose these games. Yeah, going out on a limb. I, I know. Really, really reaching here. Hot take city. Um, but isn't it important to keep momentum going? I know you lose midweek games. They get funky. It happens. But when you've got LSU coming to town, I mean, you've won 14 games in a row. Everything is kind of working for you right now. And you could really start SEC playoff with a huge series win against a team that right now you're playing better than and you can beat at home. And you don't want to lose any of that momentum with these two games in Monroe. Again, it's a midweek game. If you lose it, so be it. The RPI is going to be fine. Just don't lose a bunch of these for the rest of the season. But winning them, I think, will continue 
allowing this team to play loose and free the way they do and confident with a winnable series coming up here in a few days. Hey, Dan, I've not seen a lineup yet for Mississippi State, but as you pointed out earlier, left-hander Houston Harding on the mound against, uh, you know, depending on what poll you look at, number two, number three, number four, number seven, you know, Texas Tech. They are a uh, a consensus top ten, maybe consensus top five team. And have, have you seen Houston Harding this year? I have not. He's only pitching the and he pitched midweek against uh, Alcorn. Okay, and I was not at that game, so no. Gotcha. So uh, biggest test of his career coming tonight yeah. against. That's. I mean, that I mean, feels like an understatement. Yes. Yeah. What you said earlier is crazy when you say it out loud. Texas Tech hitting a little better than three thirty as a team. And their ERA as a team is just over two. Um, They're pretty good. In the the old-time outdoorsman parlance, that dog will hunt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're just a solid program. And they've become sort of, I mean, I would say they're the best program in the Big 12. You know, they, they've just been, they've dominated that conference for the past few years. And, and you know, as DC, TCU has sort of fallen off a little bit and Texas has fallen off a little bit. Texas Tech has, has just been there, and uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be an inter- I'm interested to see the lineup for Mississippi State because they have some guys who are struggling. Do you give them an opportunity here, or do you do you just try to find something new? I don't know. Uh, let's see, Texas Tech. Just kind of looking at their overall numbers. You mentioned them a second ago, hitting 338 as a team. Uh, team ERA is actually you, you were giving them too much credit. It's actually 3.18. Oh, I'm very sorry then. So, what, about, what was that? What's the batting average then against them? Three thirty-eight. Oh, batting no, average against. against? Mm-hmm. Uh, two oh five. That's what I was looking at. My bad. Gracious. Opponents are hitting two oh five against uh, against Texas Tech. Have they the played year. anybody worth anything? Yeah, they had Rice last weekend. Were they yeah. in one of those like Frisco Classic or the thing yeah. in Houston? Yeah, they have. So they um, won two against Houston Baptist, two against Northern Colorado. Their only loss this year is to Tennessee, lost to them 6-2. to two. They beat Stanford and Houston, and two against Southern, and beat FAU last Friday, and two against Florida State, and two against UNLV, and swept Rice. So as far as, you know, yes, they have played the schedule. Pre- yeah, preseason uh, con- out of conference goes, I mean, Southern is a perennial regional team in the SWAC. Florida Atlantic's been a good program. They won the conference. They won conference USA a year ago, correct? Uh, then they beat Southern out at the end. I think you're right. Yeah, Florida State. We all know what they are. So, I mean, yeah, Stanford is good. Stanford was obviously in the super regional with MSU last year. Houston has been a decent program. So, in terms of RPI, let's see where is Texas Tech. They're at 32. So 32 in the RPI, strength of schedule 191 at uh, at this point. UCLA has jumped to number one in the RPI. Florida at number two. Alabama at three. Hmm. That's what happens Ole Miss when you win 14 in a row. No, you're right. You're, you're right. Ole Miss at six. Georgia at eight. Texas A&M at ten. Let's see how far Arkansas had fallen, just kind of peeking ahead to the weekend. Southern Miss at 46, so they're currently top 50 in the RPI. 46 in the RPI, strength of schedule of 80. 
nationally. Vanderbilt is at uh, at 51. So one hour in the books with you at Sports Talk Mississippi on this Tuesday afternoon. We'll take a quick timeout. Be right back after the news. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. On this Tuesday afternoon, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Kendall Rogers joins us right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites from Farm Bureau, favorites.com, and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Kendall, when I see matchups like LSU at Ole Miss, Arkansas at Mississippi State, Georgia at Florida, there's part of me that goes, Man, do we really want that in the opening weekend of league play? But yeah. then you start thinking about how many good teams there are in the SEC, and I don't know if there's any way to avoid that right out of the gate. No, there's really not. I mean, you look across the league and even Tennessee, South Carolina. I mean, you look at that Friday night matchup between Garrett Crochet and the Carvin Majinski. I mean, heck, that's, that's as good of a matchup as any in the country. So uh, I just don't think there's any way you can avoid it in this league. You look at Auburn and A&M. Uh, Tanner Burns is Asa Lacey to start the weekend. I mean, that is, that is, that is big man versus big man in the opening game in a series that quite frankly uh, isn't even like a headline series this weekend. So I just don't think there's any way you can avoid it, but I cannot wait. It's going to be a lot of fun following all the games this weekend. Yeah, certainly is going to be fun. Let, let's start with the uh, Arkansas at Mississippi State series. This is not what we yeah. anticipated a month ago going into the year. We thought this was going to be a couple of teams that were sitting at like, Oh, I don't know, fourteen and two or fifteen yeah. and one going into the series, and both, yeah. you know, just kind of hitting the ball all over the yard. Specifically with Arkansas, what's going on with the Razorbacks? How much cause for concern is there right now with Dave Van Horn's ball club? Well, I think there is some concern. I mean, this is a team that coming into the season, uh, I felt very good about the the, uh, the offensive lineup, top to bottom. Um, I felt pretty good about the the bullpen depth. Uh, although they don't have great bullpen depth, they have solid bullpen depth. Uh, but I think the starting rotation is the thing that really concerned me. And I think when you look at Arkansas over the first few weeks, uh, this is an offense, or excuse me, a, a rotation that has a lot of issues. I mean, Patrick Wicklander has had two bad starts in a row. You know, Connor Nolan, uh, you know, who, who knows what to expect from him this weekend. You know, Caleb Bolden's been the one bright spot in the rotation here as of late. So the big key with Arkansas is we, we know it's going to hit, uh, it, but it needs to play defense, which it didn't do in, in the Shriners Classic a couple weeks ago. Uh, and they've got to get much better starting pitching. Uh, you just cannot win a lot of games in this league if your starting pitching uh, isn't top-notch. And so uh, I think with Arkansas, that's the big thing. I mean, Patrick Wicklander put together you know decent numbers last year, and they need him to do it again. They don't they don't need Nolan and Wicklander and Bolden to go out there and you know have a two ERA. They need those guys to go out there and have a three ERA because with that offense, that's all they need to do. Uh, the question is, can they do that? Heston Kerstad is hitting 424 with six bombs and 19 runs batted in. Absolutely nothing wrong with him. He's also walked six times. He's not striking out a lot. But the other guy that you expect to be just an anchor in that lineup, kind of opposite end of the spectrum. They've even sat Casey Martin down for a couple of games. He's hitting 265. He's only got the one home run. He's driven in six. What's going on with Casey Martin? Is he just maybe not as good as we thought he was after that freshman season or yeah. is there there's something else i think it's one of those things that uh, it's kind of draft itis i call it uh, we kind of call that in the industry is draft itis i just think when you look at casey martin uh, he's a guy that really i mean richard i mean if you think back to that cbs finals against oregon state uh where they just absolutely dominated him 
Uh, he just really hasn't been the same guy. And I know last year he put together pretty solid numbers, but he just wasn't back to that same freshman level. So, uh, you know, is he as good as he, he looked as a freshman? Probably not. Is he as bad as he's looked lately? Not at all. And so there's somewhere, there's a median there somewhere when you look at uh, Casey Martin. I think when you when you look at his approach this weekend, you know, he gets benched, uh, you know, in the Shining's Classic, comes back on Tuesday uh, with a three-hit three game. Uh, and for Arkansas to reach its goals in the year, especially if the rotation is struggling, uh, Casey Martin not only has to be much better offensively, his approach has to be significantly better. His approach in the Shriners tournament was awful. I mean, Texas threw, I think it was six straight sliders against him, and he missed all of them by a mile. And so that kind of mm. gives you an idea of just what he was going through. But uh, they, they need Martin back on track. There's no doubt. He's a, he's a premium talent, uh, and we've seen him be a premium producer before, and he needs to get back to that. Did Connor Nolan pitch at all last weekend? I'm actually – oh, no, actually he got scratched in the opening game. So that's one of the question marks kind of coming into the weekend is, you know, will he even be able to pitch? Because he did get scratched last week. It sounds like it was a little bit precautionary. But you yeah. know how those things can go. Uh, precautionary can turn into serious pretty quickly. So uh, I'll actually check in with those guys today and see if he's slated to start. But I'll tell you what, uh, if Connor Nolan cannot pitch this weekend – uh, that is a huge loss uh, for the Razorbacks. But I know Mississippi State fans will not feel sorry for Arkansas not having one of their better pitchers. No, not without JT again for the uh, remainder of the season. Also, uh, Tanner Allen out for a while. So this Mississippi State team, I mean, uh, again, preseason top five by pretty much everybody, either picked to win the West yeah. or to finish second in the West behind Arkansas. Uh, Mississippi State, and, and by the way, how about the midweek that they've got where they're going down to Biloxi to play a couple of games against a really good Texas Tech team? To me, the thing that jumps out, and we've talked a lot about this, Mississippi State's not hitting, and that's a surprise. Yeah. No, it really is. I mean, I'll say this. You look at the top of the lineup right now with State, and you look at guys like Foskey, Rowdy Jordan, uh, you know, you look at Jordan Westberg, uh, but really, just outside of that, there's just not a lot of punch. I mean, Josh Hatcher's a guy that can hit for a little bit of power at times. Uh, you know, he's hitting 283, which isn't horrible, uh, but what also isn't amazing. But really, just outside of that, you know, Brandon Pimentel uh, had that big home run against uh, Oregon State a couple weeks ago. But other than that, it really hasn't done much. He's hitting 167. So uh, they need some guys, whether it's Brad Cumbus or Pimentel or whoever, uh, they need somebody to step up outside of the top half of that lineup because what State is – They've essentially kind of become LSU's lineup in the sense that once you can navigate the Daniel Cabrera, Cade Beloso duo there, uh, you're in pretty safe territory. And that's kind of the way I think teams probably feel uh, about state right now. Once you get past the, the Westies, Jordan Foskew, uh, hey, we're, we're kind of scot free here. So I think the big key to the weekend, and you have to be able to hit against Arkansas to, to win that series, they need production top to bottom, because I think I actually feel better about the rotation with Will Bednar in it and moving forward. Obviously, he, he has thrown well for them this year. He's a power arm. Uh, he, you know, he, he like any pitcher, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He's going to have his fair share of ups and downs, but he's got premium stuff. And so I think right now, for me, it's all about that middle to bottom half of that lineup uh, for State. Let's move up the road just a little bit. Ole Miss and uh, LSU this weekend. And I don't know exactly what to think of this series. Let's start with Ole Miss. They lead the SEC and lead the country with 31 home runs, and it's not like they're playing in the old Alec box. I mean, Swayze Field traditionally not yeah. a great place to hit early in the season. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt this team is red hot. And granted, uh, you know, you look at Princeton, I mean, they're not the greatest competition, but I mean, they played Louisville. They went on the road to Keith LeClaire uh, and played a really good South or East Carolina club. And so, I think you look at this lineup top to bottom. Uh, you know, I, I like this lineup coming into the year. I did think there were some young pieces that gave me a little bit of pause. Uh, but, uh, boy, these, these young players have really done a nice job. Uh, you know, you look at Peyton and the job that uh, Dunhurst has done behind the plate. He's also had a couple of big hits offensively. I know he's not hit for a high average, uh, but he has had some big hits for them. And, of course, you look at the top uh, with Anthony Servideo and, and certainly my man Tyler Keenan. He's hitting for some power. And then, oh, by the way, Tim Elko, kind of the X factor, I felt like, Richard, coming into the season. He's one of those guys, like, when he goes to the plate, and he has been this way the last couple of years, when he goes to the plate, he has your attention because he has just that frame that looks like he's about to hit the ball a long way. Well, he's finally kind of tapped into that, and he's kind of become that guy that people fear when he goes to the plate. I mean, you look at that home run this past weekend that bounced off the top of the uh, center field eye, uh, eye wall. Uh, that is not an easy home run to hit. And so uh, with his, you know, ascension – uh, boy, this, this is a scary lineup right now. And you throw Kel Baker, again, not a high average, but a lot like Dunhurst, who's had some big moments for them so far this year. Uh, top to bottom, uh, this is a team that has gotten production uh, top to bottom in this lineup, especially when it comes to clutch and big hits. Have you seen enough from Ole Miss to believe that they, they are a contender to win the West? I think they are. I mean, I always say this. Uh, they took care of business against Louisville. Granted, you know, people always want to want to get both sides. So with Louisville, Louisville was a little banged up going that series. Alex Pinellas and All-American are hurt and things like that. But then the day, they won the series. So you, you look at that, you look at what they did in Keith LeClaire. I have no reason at this point to believe they don't have a shot. I mean, I, I think the West is totally wide open right now, to be honest with you. And I think when you look at Ole Miss, uh, it, it has the rotation, uh, the bullpen, uh, has done a nice job so far this year. Uh, and the lineup looks solid top to bottom. So, uh, I mean, you know, I I wouldn't pick LSU ahead of them. I don't think I'd pick State at this moment ahead of them. I don't think I'd pick Texas A&M ahead of them. So, yeah, uh, Ole Miss for me probably is the leader in the West. I, I think they have the least number of question marks uh, at this juncture in the season. I guess the, the other team for me that I'm kind of intrigued to see how they do this weekend is probably A&M because I think A&M – Pitching is elite. Uh, I just don't know if the offense is elite. Yeah. 30 seconds. Actually, less than that. 20 seconds. Why is LSU not hitting? Well, they're young. I mean, they've got a lot of newcomers in that lineup. But here's the thing, Richard, coming into the season, none of us thought LSU was going to have a potent lineup. I mean, this is a lineup that, you know, if they can hit 270 with the pitching that LSU has, uh, they've got a chance to win games. And so, do I think LSU can hit 270? I think they can. I think the big key to this weekend, that old Miss series, keep an eye on Jaden Hill. He's up to 98 at the Shriners Tournament a couple weeks Ooh. ago. He looks a lot more like an LSU linebacker than a reliever. If, if LSU can get him the ball with a lead late in the game, their chances of winning go up exponentially. So keep an eye on Jaden Hill. Thanks, Kendall. Thanks, guys. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online, supertalk.fm. I know there are jokes about me talking into the break. I thought we could get Kendall wrapped up. For for all practical purposes, though, he said almost nothing as uh, time was running out. I think we got to the very end of it. You just thought he was going to continue to talk. So appreciate Kendall Rogers joining us on the uh, Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Hey, Dad, 
thinking about what Kendall said a minute ago, specifically as it pertains to Mississippi State and Arkansas this weekend, what did you take away? Uh, he's in the same sort of boat that you and I are in. That you know, he's not really sure what to make of either team. Um, you know that it, Arkansas has a lot of pitching issues. Mississippi State seems to have a lot of hitting issues, and the team that solves the issue is going to be the team that wins this series. Um, and and right now, as it stands, I don't think anybody really knows which which team that's going to be. Yeah, I was a little surprised to. Um... Hear him as kind of as he was walking through the uh, the Ole Miss, you know, I asked him if he thought Ole Miss could compete for the West. And he said he still would have them behind LSU. Is that a brand name thing? Like like those purple hats with the gold letters on it makes you believe longer with them than you would believe with others, or is there something else? Oh, it means a lot, doesn't it? Hey, kind of I was surprised that he downplayed the Louisville series win as much as he did. They've become the team that everybody thought they were going to be, at least in the weeks following that. They're, as you can imagine, really very good. And to just kind of dismiss that as, oh, Louisville had an injury, but, you know, they won the series, so that's okay, um, kind of takes away from the non-conference slate that they've had, which has been really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got to prove it. Look, it's still a young baseball team. It's SEC plays very different. It's a bunch of guys... Not a bunch of guys. I mean, they still have, like, Servidio, who's been through it. Tyler Keenan, who's been through it. But the middle of your lineup is still very inexperienced when it comes to SEC baseball. So maybe there is a drop-off. But I think they have um, I think they've proven more than he gave them credit for in the non-conference. And look, as we sit here today, I mean, I feel pretty confident saying to you, Ole Miss isn't going 20-10 and 10 in the SEC. The schedule's still brutal. I don't think they're going 18 and 12. I think if they go 16 and 14 in the league this year, given the schedule, it was a really good season. And we said, you know, back in January that if they were a 16 win team in, in the SEC, they would probably easily host and might be in national seed contention just because you figure that RPI is going to be way up there. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I, I think given what they've done, assuming they don't just, you know, lay three or four eggs in non-conference the rest of the way, what they've done in the non-conference and 16 wins in the SEC could very well be enough to be one of those top eight seeds. Yeah, maybe you got to get to 17 or 18 to, to be in, in that conversation. I, I don't know. We'll let it play out. But, I mean, you remember, they've still got to play Florida three times. they got to play Georgia three times. Those teams are currently number one and number three in the country. They've got Vanderbilt. They got South Carolina, and they got everybody in the West, including off. a trip to Starkville on Super Bulldog weekend when there will be eh, somewhere between nine and eleven thousand people on Friday night, somewhere between thirteen and fifteen thousand people on Saturday, and you know whatever on Sunday, big, especially if I bet the it won't cooperates. Be a, I bet it won't be a big crowd at all on Sunday. Really? Yeah. Oh, is it? Th- it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> that actually changes the dynamic of the crowd over the course of the weekend. It does. It does. Um, you know, you'll probably have what eight to ten thousand on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. 
10 to 12 on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And then they'll, they'll push to try to break the record. I don't know if the stadium can hold that many. But... I don't know if you can get there anymore, which probably is yeah. disappointing to some. Yeah. But there'll be thirteen to 14,000, we'll say. Yeah, I mean, 13,500 people crammed in that will be like elbows and other holes. Yes. Other parts <laughs> of your body. As the saying goes. C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Walt says, I thought he said he wouldn't put them behind LSU. I think he said he wouldn't put them ahead of LSU. But, Walt, maybe I misheard it. Tony and Clara, how is JT? Haven't heard any updates lady uh, lately. Prayers to him. Tony, thank you for asking, and really good timing. Earlier today, JT's wife, Janet, put uh, an update on Facebook, and I'm just going to read it for you. Janet says, I know it's been a while since our last update, but we've just had so much going on on a daily basis. Thomas, which is what she calls JT, is doing better, but at the same time is incredibly weak. Spending four weeks in the bed has cost him the ability to walk. Last Monday, exactly four weeks since being admitted to the hospital, we were moved to a rehab facility where he can get the therapy he needs. He is definitely making progress, but this is not something that he will recover from quickly. While in the hospital, he was able to receive two low-dose rounds of chemo. His next appointment with the oncologist is on March 17th. That's a week from today. So we hope he will be strong enough to receive another round by then. He is also working with a speech therapist here to help him get his voice back so that he can get back to doing what he loves. We appreciate each and every one of your prayers, along with all of the cards, phone calls, and messages. He is overwhelmed by the number of people praying for him and reaching out. Please continue to pray as he still has such a long way to go. And she posted some pictures of him online, one with a big old full Santa Claus beard and then one where JT is... Uh, completely cleanly shaven as well we um so tony thanks for asking uh, i know a number of you have asked from time to time and it's not that we've been trying to hide any information we've just uh we, we've been limited on information ourselves and have tried to uh you know respect the privacy and all that's going on with their family while also trying to stay informed and keep you informed so uh, progress for jt still a long 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 way to go uh, obviously, the serious issues that caused him to go into the hospital, in addition to the fact that he is fighting cancer right now. But Borky, that's 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 trending in the right direction. Absolutely, and they they shared a, a picture as well. The beard's a good look on him. You think? I like it. I, I'm uh, when I get to talk to him next, I'm going to tell him to keep that thing. You think that was like after four weeks in the hospital, and then the clean shaven one right next to it is more recently. Man, that makes more sense, right? That makes more sense. But I like the beard look, man. It looks good. Hey, part of that is I'm jealous I can't grow one. But that salt and pepper yeah. beard's a good look, man. You'll grow up someday, Borky. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> My kid will days. be able to grow a beard before I will. There is an opportunity, once we get JT completely healthy, to... Uh, Borky, maybe he could borrow your Santa Claus costume. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still never the best dad advice I got no offense because you gave me some good ones as well but it, it was gosh two weeks or so before my son was born and I was sitting in the break room 
And JT walks in, and apparently he said hey to me. And I just didn't acknowledge him. I just I had my like head down, and I just wasn't paying attention. And he sat down at the table with me and said, you worried? And I said, man, you have no idea. He goes, think about it this way. There's a few million people out there dumber than you that raise kids just fine. You'll be okay. He <laughs> <laughs> got up and left. <laughs> he was talking about me, too. Is what's funny. righty then. <laughs> <laughs> you you weren't entirely sure how to take that either, were you? I just laughed because, I mean, it kind of comforted me, though. Because, yeah, there are people dumber than me out there that have raised kids. So if they did it, I'll be okay. So far, so good. Yeah. So far, so good. How is little baby Borky doing? Man, he's awesome. Uh, growing two front bottom teeth, and so now he's just chewing on everything. But, I mean, he's... Happy and healthy and fat and just awesome. Very cool. He and I have a lot in common, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> Does he like to eat? So we've inter- started introducing, air quotes, real food, which is really just yeah. mushed up stuff. And he still hasn't quite figured out how to... Like, he doesn't hate the food, but he doesn't know how to like swallow it yet, so he ends up just wearing it. So he's trying. Mm-hmm. He hasn't rejected anything yet. Like pacifier, no. Bottle feeding, no. Everything's been good there. It's just he doesn't quite know how to you know, keep it down. You try to take that pacifier away at this point and he will reject you. Oh, man. Yeah, especially, gosh, when we're trying to like put him down and not get it wrapped around his neck or something, we take it out and it's just a big yell. No, yep. sir. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. College Football Fix will come your way about half an hour from right now. The SEC released its first and second teams. It's all freshman team, player of the year, etc. We will walk through that next on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. You remember how we talked about how difficult it was going to be to decide who the five first-team all-SEC basketball players would be? And we're talking about how many good guards you had in the league and you know how are you going to decide between Kyra Lewis Jr. and Mason Jones and Skylar Mays and Brian Tyree? Well, we got the answer. You just put them all on the first team. Nine, nine players. Guys. Nine players. First team all SEC. If you're wondering how is that possible, they don't break ties. So you have a coach's vote, you got 14 coaches that vote, and then they don't break ties. So if there are multiple votes, they don't just demote somebody as a result. First team all SEC. Kyra Lewis from Bama. Mason Jones, who led the SEC in scoring from Arkansas. Samir Dowdy. The senior at Auburn, Keontae Johnson, the sophomore at Florida, Emmanuel Quickly from Kentucky, Nick Richards from Kentucky, Skyler Mays from LSU, Brian Tyree from Ole Miss, and Reggie Perry from Mississippi State. In fairness, it's kind of hard to argue about any of those guys deserving to be first team All SEC. Sure. Narrow it down to five, though. Mason Jones, Emmanuel Quickly, Nick Richards, Reggie Perry, 
Bree and Tyree. You you got four out of the five of the AP first team who only did five. They probably didn't have Bree and Tyree on the first team. They had Kyra Lewis. Yeah. Which I mean I wouldn't quibble with that. Right. Um I think I would have Bree and Tyree on though because neither team really I mean if you're telling me, well, one team was fourteen and four in the conference and the other was six and twelve, okay. That's a tiebreaker for me. Mm-hmm. If one is six and twelve and the other's eight and ten or nine and nine, man, there's not enough difference that, there for me. Kyra Lewis was special, but so is Brian Tyree. Yeah. But shout out to the AP for picking just five guys. Yeah. Uh, second team All SEC. John Petty from Alabama, Isaac Okoro from Auburn, really good. Kerry Blackshear from Florida, Anthony Edwards from Georgia, Tyrese Maxey at Kentucky, Mike Coatsart South Carolina, Fulky John Fulkerson at Tennessee, Saban Lee at Vanderbilt. Every one of those guys deserving of all league honors. Here's what's fascinating to me. And I like that this is separate, right? Future potential does not necessarily determine whether or not your first team or second team all SEC. You got two lottery picks that are second team all SEC players. Isaac Okoro has been projected to go as high as number three in the NBA draft. And we continue to have Anthony Edwards projected to be number one overall. Both of them second-team All-SEC. Is Anthony Edwards a number one overall quality player? Man, you don't see it all the time, but you see it some of the time. Yeah, there's some flashes there for sure, but his team wasn't very good, so it's not like he willed them to a lot of wins or anything, so... I don't know. I mean, last year's draft wasn't great outside of the top three and, and poor R.J. Barrett, where he ended up. But the, the top two came in and have been exceptional right away. Is there anybody at all in this draft class where you think they are plug-and-play starters and impact guys in this draft? Because last year we had enough. three. I didn't see enough of James Wiseman to be able to tell you. James Wiseman is. Anthony Edwards is. I don't know how big of an impact he is, but he's a plug-and-play starter. I don't know about a Coro. I mean, there's part of me that wonders if he's got uh, some developing still to do. Trey Jones at Duke? Probably. Um, I don't know exactly how Yoli Childs at BYU is projected. Um, Lucas Garza at Iowa, really good, really good. You, you feel free to help me out if they're names that I'm not thinking of, kind of top of my head. I'm actually learning something here. Yeah. <laughs> you not watch college basketball all year? I mean, we are to March now. Uh, I do, but I mean, if given the choice between an NBA game where you have shooters and scorers versus a college game where you don't, well, I'm going to pick the the better product. But 
So you think I'm silly for sitting up until almost 12.30 last night watching uh, the West Coast Conference semifinals? No, because to each their own. Yeah. People make fun of us for watching golf. To you know, I'm never going to knock somebody for watching a sport that they enjoy. It's just not going to be my choice. All freshman team: Jaden Shackelford from Alabama, Isaac Okoro at Auburn, Scotty Lewis at Florida, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Maxey at Kentucky, Trenton Watford at LSU, Jermaine Kuznard from South Carolina, Scotty Pippen Jr. from uh, Vanderbilt. Only eight Look, on if both team, of those so. guys come back, if Saban Lee and Scottie Pippen Jr. come back to Vanderbilt next year, Saban Lee would be a junior, Scottie Pippen would be a sophomore, and they get a pretty decent class in, that's not a bad team next year. No. Vanderbilt finished 3-15 and in SEC play, and they led or were tied at halftime in eight of their 18 SEC games. Just didn't have enough. Hard for me to believe that Neesmith comes back, given the major injury, but I'm good grief. If Neesmith were to come back as well, all of a sudden they're pretty good next year. So, By the way, um, not that it matters, but they would not have gone winless last year if Darius Garland was healthy. No, they wouldn't two, have. They would have won six or seven games a, in the conference. Two years in a row they've lost a first-round guy to injury. And three years in a row they've lost their leading scorer. Yeah. You, you go back one year farther, they lost Matthew Fisher-Davis in January of that season, I think. It's crazy. I, I watched Garland the other night, and I, I kept thinking, man, just add that guy to that team, and do they win eight games? I mean, they certainly don't fire their coach after that season if he sticks around because he's in a bad situation in a roster that doesn't make sense, and he still shows out in the NBA. All-defensive team, Herbert Jones from Alabama, played with one hand for the last three weeks of the season, like with a cast on. Isaac Okoro from Auburn, all-defensive team. Ashton Hagens at Kentucky. All cash in my hand, talking into it like it's a phone team as well. Nick Richards at Kentucky and Eve uh, Eve's Pond at uh, Tennessee. Coach of the year, John Calipari, and I think that's well-deserved. I think the AP got that one right, and they gave it to Buzz Williams. Did they give it to Buzz? Yeah. I got no problem with either of those two guys. Yeah. Um, Emmanuel Quickly named player of the year. Yeah. AP had uh, co-players of the year, Mason Jones and Reggie Perry. Good for Reggie Perry. Yeah. It's been remarkable this year. Skylar Mays, Scholar Athlete of the Year, and that should have been a runaway. Anthony Edwards, Freshman of the Year. Tyson Carter, first time in school history Mississippi State has had a sixth man of the year. Tyson Carter named sixth man of the year in the uh, in the league. And uh, Eve Pons as the Defensive Player of the Year at Tennessee. What an odd season for Tyson. Started as the starting point guard, moved to the two when Nick Weatherspoon came back, then moved to the bench. And since that move, State's been 11-4. and four. Hmm. I mean, there are like 30 names there. I know we went through a bunch of names. Is there anybody that's obviously missing? <sighs> no. No, I mean, there's just so many guys. I can tell you who's obviously missing from the Coach of the Year conversation. Who? Buzz Williams. 
Well, we just well, said he got the AP. said a second ago. He got the AP Coach of the right. Year award. But my goodness, if you're going to give an award out, you might as well give it to the right people. And this is not Cal, a this is Cal not Calipari's best this team. year. He this did is a not good his job. best team by any stretch of the imagination. But who did a better job? Well, they won 14 in a row. They're the best team in the SEC. They're the favorites to win the tournament. And he did not do it in a year where he had four lottery picks. Again, the question is not who did a good job, but who did a better job. Is is John Calipari at Kentucky winning 14 games in a row with a bunch of four- and five-star kids more impressive than what Buzz Williams did with that team at Texas A&M. I think that's an obvious no. I told you earlier in the week I probably would vote for Buzz Williams if I had a vote, but I have zero problem with John Calipari getting that award this year. Nobody ever wants to give it to Cal because of all the advantages at Kentucky. Well, this year they didn't have the advantages that they have a lot of years, and he still won at a really high level, won the SEC with a week and a half to play. He didn't have the best roster in the SEC? Sports Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line, LOL. Richard argues to have Tyree on first team. LOL. Gee, I wonder why, Homer. You don't really have to make that strong an argument for the leading scorer in the conference to be on the team, you would think. Mason Jones edged him at the end. He finished second in the oh, SEC in scoring and second in SEC games in scoring. Yeah. I mean, I can give you more numbers if you want. No, no, we're good. I, I, you I, don't have to. You don't have to sell I, me I'm on not, him being on the team. You, you certainly don't have to agree with me that he should be first team. And there was a long hesitation when I looked at his name and. Kyra Lewis Jr.'s name when Borky said you have to narrow it to five. I picked four of the five that the AP picked, and I gave just a little bit of a lean to Tyree over Kyra Lewis Jr. I don't think it's outlandish. LOL. Ha ha ha. LOL. When's the last time you typed LOL in a text message? I only type LOL in a text message if it's a genuine laugh out loud, and I'll let the person know that they got a genuine, a real LOL out of me. I only do it sarcastically. Uh, Even better. I only type LOL in a text message if I'm spelling out a word like lollipop, where LOL is followed (laughs) by other letters that lead to a complete thought or a full word. I'm a big ha-ha-ha guy, and I've started (laughs) using the, yeah, or the emojis. Yeah. Now I'm being asked to get my panties out of a wad. They're not in a wad. At all. Just making fun of LOL guy. Sound like a homer to me. Homer! Uh, Mississippi State's lineup for tonight. We were waiting on that. Hey, Dad, I think we have it now. Yeah, just the or just retweet Mississippi State baseball Twitter feed, and you did retweet it. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Westberg, Hatcher, Foscue, Cameron James is the DH. Logan Tanner's behind the plate. Tanner Leggett gets to start at third. Cumbus in right, and Pimentel in left. 
Any of the changes that you thought might happen? Well, they dropped Pimentel down in the order. That guy is, is really struggling right now. Uh, Cumbus is as well. Cumbus has nine strikeouts and 15 at-bats. So that is not a good stat. Um, but the first six guys in the order are pretty solid. Uh, Jordan Westberg. I always feel funny saying that. Jordan, comma, Westberg. Uh, Hatcher, Foskey, James, all over all over 280. Logan Tanner has shown some pop early in, in his uh, Bulldog career. So I like those guys. If those bottom three can get something going, you might have something. Going to need okay. it tonight. Going to need it tonight. First pitch at 6, right? Yep. Um, And there is video for this one tonight. Yeah, SEC Network Plus. Yep. So uh game will be streaming. If you want to watch it, you will be able to do that. I will be doing that. We're going to do little burgers on the grill tonight. And uh, I'm going to pop up the TV on the back porch, get a little baseball going. I might even double up. I may do... um like through the speaker, stream the Ole Miss game, and then on TV put the Mississippi State game. In fact, that's exactly what I'm going to do tonight. All right. Is my wife um, brilliant or crazy for this? Whatever you're about to say, the answer is brilliant. I'm not going to even get into that discussion. <laughs> we have spent entirely too much time, and I say we, I'm collecting, we're talking about my kids. They are almost 10, 7, and almost 3. Entirely too much time in front of the television slash watching, streaming, whatever, slash iPad, slash, oh, let me see your phone so I can play a game on your phone. Just too much of it. And so while I was out of town, and two of the three kids were sick this weekend, there was a lot of TV watching. And Jane hit the point where she said, I've had enough. Starting on Monday of spring break week, mind you, <laughs> there will be no television or no electronics for the entire week. I pushed back on this a little bit. It's like, hold on a second, hold on a second. We're not going on a spring break trip. Kids are out of school for a week. And you're saying no TV and no electronics for them for the entire week? She said, that's exactly what I'm saying. I said, are you, she said, don't argue with me on this. It's not changing. Yes, ma'am. So we made it through two days so far. Nice. Brilliant or crazy? Reminds me of something, man. These kids, these kids today with their devices. It's just too much. Some of it is a little too much. Yeah. Some of it's a bit much. We've not had a mutiny. There's been more playing outside. Obi helped Jane cook supper last night, so that was a positive. I'm I'm starting to think that, once again, she's smarter than I am. Sports Talk Mississippi, college football fix, coming up next. Five o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us wherever you're listening, however you're listening this afternoon, or if you're listening later via podcast, that works as well. We're glad to have you along for the ride. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Rippy is out for today. He will return tomorrow, and then Haydad will be out for a couple of days. Do you ever figure out what you're going to do the next couple of days? No. But I'll figure it out eventually. Anything exciting? 
Probably not. Cheap okay. flights and hotels. Uh, that's what everybody keeps telling me. I think they got two for one prices on cruises right now. Get two weeks for the price of one. Hmm. That would be compelling radio, though, as you get stuck on a quarantine cruise boat talking to us. We got to take equipment. You got to send equipment with you. Yeah, just just send the Conrex with me. We'll be fine. We are excited to give you a chance to win tickets. A bunch of you responded yesterday. We're going to give you a chance again today. Although today, it's going to happen on the Farm Bureau phone line. <laughs> Why? I'm sorry, Morky. Why? Oh, I'm one guy in here. I've got all this stuff to do. and Oh, man. All right, fine. Here we go. All right, we're not going to start taking calls, or at least Borky is not going to start answering calls until we begin the college football fix. All right, so he's not answering your phone call until we begin. Hold on, hold on, we're not starting it yet. Oh, it means we get to hear the music twice. Awesome. Leonard Skinner will be at the Bank Corp South Arena in Tupelo on March 20th. That's a week from Friday. Farewell tour of the legendary band, and it might be your last chance to see them live. Today, you can give us a call on the Farm Bureau phone line. The number is 601-879-4395. I'm going to see if I can get this part out without laughing. Hey, Dad. Do they have to sing like you call? they call me the breeze? Simple Man. We're going to have them sing Simple Man on the air. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh Borky. Borky, can we do that later in the week? Can we, like, can we have three people put them on hold? And then one at a time have them sing their favorite, like, 15 seconds from a Leonard Skinner song and then give tickets to the uh, to the best singer? Absolutely. Make it 30, though. Not 15. That's too short. Nah, no, 15 will be plenty. I want to hear a verse in a bar, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Trying to think, what, what what direction would you go with that if you had to pick lyrics from a uh, Skinner song? Oh, give me two steps. Okay, we'll talk about my girlfriend Linda Lou. Nice. Borky, uh, probably simple man, because you can stretch out just very few words in fifteen seconds of that song. Just hold that man oh, for a long time. We would lose all the capital that you have built up over eight years. Yeah, it would be gone. What about the battle? Of the ballad of Curtis Lowe? Be a good one. I like old Curtis Lowe. So are we doing? So what's no, the no, process? No, we're not going to do that today. We're, we're going to build up to that. We're going to give you a little bit of time to right, uh, think like on it. that. All right, today. Farm Bureau phone lines are open. Be caller number 17. <laughs> I quit. I quit. Put the headphones down. I'm done. Had a good run. Been been with you for, uh, oh gosh, three it's an years. Interesting number choice. I'm caller out. number 10. Caller number 10, 601-879-4395. Pair of tickets to Leonard Skinner, Friday, March 20th. Bancorp South Arena in Tupelo. Borky will answer the uh, the calls as soon as he presses the button for the college football fix.
College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can see all that Ford's got to offer, including the amazing deals that they've hey, got going. Real quick, real quick, Richard, you gave out the text line number. You cannot call the text line, 888-808-8637. Oh, right. <laughs> Oops, my bad. The text line's getting a bunch of missed calls right now. Yes, yeah, so hang up. Sorry, sorry, my bad. Hope you're still listening. Triple eight eight oh eight eight six three seven. Caller number ten. Triple eight eight oh eight eight six three seven. Pair of Leonard Skinner tickets for caller number ten. College football fix. Visit your local Mississippi Ford dealers and test drive whichever car, truck, van, or SUV that you are in love with today. If a gunshot happens in a bar and nobody hears it. Did it really happen? A Tennessee football player allegedly was shot in the leg. He claims it happened at a popular local spot in Knoxville. However, nobody heard a shot, and police have found zero evidence to suggest that it happened at all. Brandon Davis suffered a gunshot wound in his leg in a weekend incident that is under investigation by Knoxville police. He was transported to UT Medical Center and treated for non-life-threatening injuries. A statement from the University of Tennessee Athletics Department, we're thankful that Brandon's injuries were minor and he's expected to make a full recovery. We are gathering information as it becomes available. A KPD officer was flagged down at 12.32 a.m. Saturday, so that's late Friday night into Saturday morning, outside Uptown Bar and Grill on Cumberland Avenue about an individual suffering from a gunshot wound. The officer wrote in an incident report obtained by Knox News that Davis, Brandon Davis, appeared to have a small caliber gunshot wound in his upper left leg and was being assisted by several people. Davis is a rising sophomore defensive back, said he was inside Uptown Bar and Grill when he heard a gunshot and felt pain in his left le- or in his leg and that he had no idea who shot him or why. He had a teammate there, rising junior defensive back Trayvon Flowers, told the officer he was inside the bar with Davis when the shooting occurred, but he also didn't know who shot Davis. I almost said J.R. We do have a winner, you guys. Uh, thank you for participating and calling. We, uh, we we don't need you to do that anymore. Uh, our friend Laverne and Jackson won the tickets Beautiful. to Leonard Skinner. Congratulations, Laverne. Where was the winner yesterday? Do you remember? Um. Oh gosh, it was uh, I'll, Jeff I'll and Carrollton. Carrollton. That's exactly right. Yeah. There you go. So we got a Jackson winner and a Carrollton winner so far. Leonard Skinnerd. Bancorp South Arena, Friday, March 20th. Officers searched the bar and did not find any shell casings or any blood, and they were unable to locate anyone inside the bar who heard any gunshots or who saw Davis and Flowers in the bar before the shooting. Officer overheard several people say that Davis shot himself in the leg, according to the incident report. Um, I don't get it. Let's just assume that the bar was really crowded. What caliber handgun is it possible to shoot in that scenario where nobody hears the gunshot? Zero percent. 
22 pistol, yeah. maybe. It's kind of a pop. Yeah, man. seems unlikely. And they said small caliber. I mean, I wish they would tell us, you know, what kind of small caliber it was. I mean, you shoot a 9mm, you're going to hear it. Pop off a round in a 357 mag or a 38, you're going to hear it. I don't know. He did take to Twitter to say, y'all crazy, I didn't shoot myself. So, hmm. Davis wrote, I'm an innocent bystander minding my business and randomly got shot. His father, who is a lieutenant with the New Orleans Police Department, said in an interview with Knox News that the idea that his son shot himself is ridiculous. Here's the quote from his dad. He's never played or fooled with guns, not even toy guns. I'm a policeman with all kinds of guns in my house. He's never been a gun enthusiast, didn't want me to take him shooting, didn't want to learn how to shoot, didn't want to learn about a gun, and didn't even want to touch my guns ever. I guarantee you he'd be willing to take a polygraph. He'd be willing to do anything to clear his name because that's not the kind of kid he is. And it's embarrassing to our family that my kid from New Orleans goes to Tennessee and gets shot. His dad said that his son, so Tony Misho, his dad, said that Brandon, his son, told him he was in the bar when he heard a pop like a balloon and felt a pinch in his leg and that he exited the bar to check his leg. Davis was with his girlfriend. His girlfriend flagged down the police for help. Said his son told him that police did not do a gunshot residue test on his hands and that police have not spoken to him since early Saturday morning before he was transferred to the hospital. Said he's doing fine and he's receiving treatment from the university. That's a weird story. Has Plexico Burris weighed in? Now, Plexico like he Burris shot chance. himself. So I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. We're going to get more info on this, Borky? There's a yada, yada, yada somewhere in there. Sports Talk Mississippi. That's your college football fix. Driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Abe in Flowood, in response to the no electronics during spring break, said we're doing the same thing. No phones, no TV, no electronics for the whole week. Kids are cleaning and doing chores to, quote, earn trips to museums and parks. How's that going for you, Abe? Um, Not much break in spring break around Abe's house. <laughs> You're not going to try that uh, at your house, hey, Dad? I am not. So Tim sent us a message earlier. This was Tim and McGee. This was great. He said he never had electronics when he was growing up. He said, we worked, as per my dad. If we ran out of something to do, we'd dig a hole and fill it back up. I swear that's the truth. I hated spring break. <laughs> well played, Tim. Uh, a bunch of you responding to the gun story just a moment ago says, uh, someone with no interest or working knowledge of guns would be much more likely to shoot themselves. Most people with experience expect the lethality and practice good gun safety. William in Belmont says, quick draw McGee shot himself out of his pocket. <laughs> uh, there was one that says, those sound like reasons he would accidentally shoot himself. No uh, experience. Stan and Ripley says, got to be a pellet gun. A twenty-two pistol will sound off. Keith and JS suggest an airsoft pistol. 
Uh, somebody said a 22 quiet round doesn't break the sound barrier. It literally sounds less than a finger snap. And somebody say probably a 32 caliber, but somebody would hear it. Then Tim suggested it might just be a stopper gun. Or a made-up story. Yeah, but it doesn't sound like it makes a lot of sense to make the story up, does it? I mean, kind of. Let's pretend. We don't know if this is true. Let's pretend he did accidentally shoot himself a la Plaxico Burris while trying to sit down on the toilet. And you feel like an idiot for shooting yourself. You may not have been legally in possession of the weapon, so what do you do? You drag yourself out to the nearest bar and stand outside and say, Officer, somebody shot me in there to cover up the fact that you were potentially in illegal possession of a firearm and accidentally discharged it on yourself. Kids have done dumber things. Hmm. I just, I mean, I've been so, in crowded- So you were, you were dismissing Dad's comments about he's never had any interest in a gun? Uh, I don't know. I am dismissing those comments. I mean, the they're... fact that there's no blood that they found in the bar and they found no shell casing. Borky's su- su- suggestion is probably the correct one. Maybe not on the toilet, but he was messing around with a gun. He shot himself and he's realized, I have to come up with a story. What was it? Who's at USC a few years ago? The guy said he was trying to save a kid's life when he injured himself. Yeah. And he found out that wasn't. Oh, yeah. I mean, drunken, we jump out of a window or something. Yeah, this this type of stuff just happens, man. Kids, people are stupid, and some, and they'll lie to cover up their stupidity. We've all done it, not to this thing, just at varying extents. I love that William sent us the uh, little cartoon image of Quick Draw McGraw. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Um. We'll get into the uh, the basketball tournament matchups tomorrow. Talk a little bit more about Ole Miss against Georgia. Talk uh, still a couple of days from Mississippi State. Don't know who they're going to play. We know when they will play, but not until Friday. I know who and, they're preparing uh, for. Who's that? Florida. Florida. Yeah, Howland said Gators. they're going to prepare. They're going to prepare as as though chalk will hold, and they'll have to play Florida. They'll be in Nashville tomorrow night to scout Georgia and Ole Miss, but. The preparations they're going through are as if they're playing Florida. Porky, I don't remember if it was yesterday or Friday when we talked about this. The potential of ESPN making a run at Al Michaels to come in and be the Monday night football play-by-play announcer. The New York Post has a follow-up story story that says this trade is not going to happen. So ESPN was looking to make some sort of a trade for Al Michaels. Says NBC Sports has declined ESPN's initial request to engage in trade talks to acquire Al Michaels. The quote from NBC Sports We look forward to Al completing his contract and calling Sunday night football games on NBC. ESPN had put Al Michaels, who is 75 years old, atop its list for a potential dream Monday night football team booth with Peyton Manning. Two years left on Al Michaels' deal at NBC to call Sunday Night Football. And at that point, Mike Tirico is set to take over. The expectation is that Tirico may call more games over the next couple of years and is the new face of NBC. 
which is why there could be a potential path if NBC Sports executives change their minds and Al Michaels decided that he wanted to explore a move. But NBC Sports executives have relayed their message to their ESPN counterparts that, at least for now, no thanks. When Al Michaels was last traded 14 years ago in a deal involving Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, it took months to complete. <laughs> so, probably a dumb question. What is Oswald the Lucky Rabbit? Hey, Dad, this is where you enter and you say, If only we had a device. We could look that well, I'm up. I'm looking it up now, and I, I guess I recognize the caricature, but I, I still just don't know what it is. He was, Oswald the, the Lucky Rabbit was the same guy was who created Mickey Mouse, and basically he kept Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and he sold Mickey Mouse, or it's the other way around. He could have had Mickey Mouse and had all those billions, but instead he got Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. So similarly to the guy that used to own a high percentage of stock in Apple and then sold it for like 700 yeah. bucks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Got out before the getting was good. It was a big deal when ESPN acquired the rights to Monday Night Football in 2005 because Monday Night Football was history's longest-running primetime series. The conservative approach would have been to leave the program alone. This is an excerpt from the book Every Town is a Sports Town, written by George Bodenheimer, who was, I guess at the time, CEO of ESPN or president of ESPN. Our production team wanted to put our stamp on it, so for the very first time, Monday Night Football was covered on all media across all ESPN platforms, and the television audience soared to the point where our Week 7 regular season broadcast between the Giants and the Cowboys set the record for the largest audience in the history of cable television at the time. That was in October of 2006. Problem was, when we gained Monday Night Football but lost Sunday Night Football, all of a sudden we had two very gifted talent and production teams, but only one game to telecast each week. So which team was going to do the new Monday night football telecast? Do we choose Sunday's Mike Tirico, Joe Theismann, etc., or do we go with Monday night football's John Madden, Al Michaels, and the rest of their crew? They ended up debating, and Bob Iger, who was the CEO of Disney, and the head of uh, NBC at the time said, I'd be willing to let Al Michaels go if you can get us rights, get us the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit from NBC. So ESPN slash ABC slash Disney let Al Michaels go to NBC in exchange for the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Interestingly enough, the guy at NBC said, who or what is Oswald the Lucky Rabbit? And Bob Iger said, well, it goes back to the very beginning of Walt Disney's career. Oswald is a revered figure at Disney, and I'd like to get him back. So George Bodenheimer says his next phone call was to his counterpart at NBC, Dick Ebersaw. I opened the conversation by saying, I'm willing 
to talk to you about letting Al Michaels go to NBC, but I got to have Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back. What? Yeah, you heard me right. I got to have Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back. To which Dick Ebersol said, Who or what is Oswald the Lucky Rabbit? <laughs> and George Bodenheimer told him, Well, here's what I know, but you'll have to do research. You'll have to research it on your end. So Oswald was a precursor, as Hey Dad just told you, to Mickey Mouse, designed personally by Walt Disney for Universal Pictures back in the 1920s. And Bob Iger knew that it was important to the Disney family. Within a week, Dick Ebersole at NBC had run the traps at NBC's sister company, Universal, received approval, and the deal was worked out. So you got to figure out what Disney owns that NBC wants in order to get Al Michaels back from NBC. I don't think I'd ever heard that story. That's pretty cool. Say it's worked out for the most part for both sides, but NBC may have come out ahead because they had no idea what Oswald the Lucky Rabbit was, and the ratings for Sunday Night Football for the last decade and a half have been off the charts. <laughs> All right, Borky, you're going to make the Pearl River Resort pick of the day today, but I'm going to assign you the game. Oh, that's not fun. Yeah, I've been on that's a heater how lately. That's how we're going to do it today. Pearl River Resort Pick of the Day brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Great place to hang out during this time of the year. Conference tournaments going on all over the place. ACC, try that again. ACC tournament got started today. SEC tournament begins tomorrow. Finals in the West Coast Conference tournament tonight with Gonzaga and St. Mary's. So it's time for the pick of the day, brought to you by Pearl River Resort. SWAC Tournament Quarterfinal, 8 o'clock tonight, in Jackson, Mississippi. Alcorn State, 15-14 and 14 in, on the year, 11-7 and seven in SWAC play. Jackson State, 14-17 and 17 on the year, 11-7 and seven in SWAC play. Home game for them. Jackson State, six and a half point favorite tonight. Is you going to the Jackson State lineup? Tigers or the Alcorn State Braves, Borky? Uh, they're going to ride the magic of snacks uh, to a victory tonight. Hey, Dad, what were you saying? I said, I want to know if snacks is in the starting lineup. <laughs> so they're going to keep on riding the snacks magic. That's right. Borky laying the six and a half tonight. Jackson State, Pearl River Resort, pick of the day against Alcorn State. Also the Orlando Magic plus two and a half in Memphis tonight. Okay. Parlay, I don't care about that one. Yeah, but i got to ride my heater. Never walk away from a heater, Richard. I hear you. North Carolina, Virginia Tech. How about North Carolina? playing in the first round of the ACC tournament. Be playing in the first round of the NIT, too. No, they will not be. What's the record? 13 and 18. Never mind. Their season is done. Unless they win the ACC tournament. Their season is done. By the way, Garrison Brooks, 
who is the son of George Brooks, who is an assistant coach at Mississippi State, has had an outstanding season. If he had only held to his commitment, man, State would have had maybe the best front court in the country. Uh, averaging 17 points a game through 30 games. Cole Anthony's been hurt for so much of the year. He actually leads the team in scoring at 19.6. But in terms of a guy that plays every game, 16.7. So 17 points and nine rebounds a game for Garrison Brooks this year at, uh, at North Carolina. Do you see that video that was going around of, uh, of Joe Biden, but the caption is the NIT bracket reveal? No. Oh, you need to find that. North Carolina! Alabama! Tennessee! Oklahoma! Arkansas! Minnesota! (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He went with the, uh, the old bold weevil reference to Donald Trump over the weekend speaking at, uh, what was it, New Hope Baptist Church in Jackson? Odds he knew what that was before this speaking engagement. Said that we need to eradicate a bull weevil. (laughs) Somebody didn't have the story entirely correct earlier today. They said Joe Biden made a promise to eradicate bull weevils in Mississippi if he was elected president. (laughs) Which would have been so much better if we're being perfectly honest. Considering that. That hasn't been an issue in a while. It's our tiny little enemy. Hmm. All right. How much is your health worth to you? Give me a number. With a with a, a dollar sign number, hey Dad. I mean, I don't know. That's a good that's a, that's a tough question. I mean I'd like to be alive. More or less than four thousand five hundred and eighty eight dollars. Is my life worth more? I would like to think my life is worth more than 4500 bucks. What doesn't Are kill me makes of... me stronger. Write me the check. Are you sick of being healthy? Would you like to experience the coronavirus firsthand? <laughs> Look no further than the Queen Mary Bio Enterprises Innovation Center in London which is looking for 24 volunteers to inject the dreaded coronavirus and participate in their flu camp. Probably not like that soccer camp I went to when I was a kid. Each volunteer will be paid $4,588 for their troubles. This one time at flu camp? Nice. (laughs) Story from the New York Post. This isn't the latest twisted Stephen King novel. Rather, it's an attempt by medical research and development company Hivivo to create a vaccine for the deadly disease, which has killed more than 3,800 across the globe. The human guinea pigs, who will receive a battery of tests before being selected, will be given two of the virus's weaker strains, OC43 and 229E, which should, should cause mild respiratory symptoms. They will then be given new or existing vaccines. Doctors who will wear protective clothing and ventilators will analyze the patient's responses to the vaccine, and the results will help researchers focus on the most most effective treatments. 
Aside from the actual downside of being sick, participants must stay in quarantine for two weeks, eat a restricted diet, and avoid human contact and exercise. Sounds like a dream. Um, This is basically what I do anyway. I get paid more for it. Let's go. Avoid people, get fed, hang out for two weeks. Yeah, I'm in. And don't exercise. Yeah. (laughs) Please don't. I'm just living the dream. Are you sure? I I can't exercise? Oh, okay. It's going to be tough. Do you have any more diseases you want to inject into me for money? (laughs) Do I hear 6,500? Give me 7,500. All jokes aside, I mean, I get it. But isn't just shy of $4,600 a little on the cheap side? I mean, we're talking about trying to develop a vaccine that would potentially save people from this mass hysteria associated with the the, the, the breakout of coronavirus or COVID-19, if you prefer. They say it's a weaker strand. I'll be fine. I mean, hold on a second. The stock market dropped like a boulder yesterday. It rebounded a little bit today. But there were billions and billions of dollars lost yesterday in the stock market. Now, I know this is just a small company that's operating out of an innovation center in London. But 4600 bucks a pop times 24 people? Feels like we're kind of doing this on the cheap, doesn't it? Yeah, but I mean, it's a buyer's market right now, and I could really use forty five hundred bucks to invest in something. Forty six hundred times twenty four—it's one hundred and ten thousand dollars. Do you know how much pharmaceutical companies spend to get a drug to market? It's well into the millions, and sometimes. North of a hundred million dollars, just in research and development, and they're wanting to get by with one hundred ten thousand for twenty-four volunteers to willingly inject the coronavirus into their veins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Yet you guys don't really seem to have an issue with this number. Well, I mean, this is how life works, right? You know. The, the the people who, who make the money are never the people on the ground. <laughs> Question is whether or not you'll end up under the ground after this you test could, happens. Well, you know. well, then I could sell my story to, like, e-magazine or people or something for an extra thousand bucks or so, like, living in a... And I'm, like, not a terrible writer. Not a good one, but I, I can at least, like, give them some good anecdotes from living there for two weeks and like kind of build a brand based on being the coronavirus guy possibly if you're gonna do this if if you're gonna do this do you schedule it around the ncaa tournament so at least you got a bunch to watch while you're in there i did see somebody say earlier that donald trump would guarantee re-election if he just said okay for the next two weeks everybody has to quarantine enjoy the basketball and ends the press conference Yeah, but if everybody quarantines, is there going to be anybody in the stands to watch the games? Hey, man, it's all about TV anyway. The MAC tournament just said no no general public allowed. Seems like that's the most logical step, to make sure the games still get played and and whatnot. Big West just did it, too. Wow. Two in the last five minutes. It's coming in the NBA soon. 
I don't think it's coming in Nashville this week for the SEC tournament. Not coming in Greensboro for the ACC tournament either. I mean, no disrespect intended, but what, they lost a few thousand people that were showing up for the MAC and the WAC? Yeah. A little bit different animal. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.